Hello, and welcome to Hey, Let's Talk About It. Uh, I'm your host this week, Crash. Uh, my pronouns are they, there. With me, as always, is Cassidy. Hello, Cassidy. Hi, I'm Cassidy. My pronouns are she, her. And also joining us is Charlie. Hi, how are you doing, Charlie? I'm doing all right. Hello there. My pronouns are they, them, or he, him. I get awesome. to have two. <laughs> we love pronouns here at the podcast. Um, so this week, our topic is going to be about massively multiplayer online games, or I guess massively multiplayer role-playing games. It's kind of a big umbrella of topics. Um, but before we get into our topic for the week, Charlie, what have you been into this week or recently? Uh, so recently, I started reading a new light novel series. For those of you unaware, light novels are just, like, shorter books that are, are Japanese in origin. So, I picked up a book because I heard about it. Because I follow this, uh, YouTube guy who, we, uh, not record, who reviews light novels. And it's called My Next Life as a Villainess. All roots lead to doom. And it's about this girl, this Japanese girl. She was 17 years old and she stayed up late playing this Otome game, which is relatable. You know, I understand. Uh, and she ends up getting hit by her car. And are you guys uh, familiar with the isekai genre of anime? Yes. Okay. Uh, but for but people who are not familiar. Yeah. Isekai basically means... You've been reincarnated into a new world. A lot of the times, uh, a guy will get murdered or get hit by a car and end up being reincarnated into a new world. Usually fantasy. Um, so it's not always that way, but usually someone in the normal world will die and be reincarnated into a new world. And with this character, she gets killed and she being, she ends up uh, being like this eight-year-old and who has hit her head and she realizes that as her previous memories come back that she's actually in the world of the Otome game that she was playing. The only thing is she's not the heroine of the story like usually protagonists like this would be. She reincarnated as the main rival of the game and in the game all the roots for this main rival, Katrina, Kat, no, it's Katarina, not Katrina, either ends in her getting exiled or in her dying. So with this knowledge, she's like, I have to prevent any of those bad flags from happening. I have to protect myself. So she starts, like, practicing swordmanship. She's the daughter of a duke, by the way. So, like, she starts trying to train in magic. She's not that good at it. And she meets the other, like, the love interests that we either lead to her death or her exile. And she meets some of the other rival characters. Like, but the thing is that she's not exactly the brightest person. Like, she's very oblivious to other people's feelings for her. Because as she tries to prevent her untimely death or exile later on, when the main game happens, when she's 15, she starts off with these memories at 8, so it 
the first volume follows her from 8 to 15, right before she heads to the Academy, where she'll meet the main heroine and start the events of the game. But as she does this, she ends up accidentally having both the four male love interests, two of her, two of the female other rivals fall in love with her instead. And I'm currently in the second volume. Only two volumes are out in English. The third one I think is coming out this year. I don't remember. I just remember seeing that I could pre-order it. So it's not out yet uh, in English, but it is in Japanese. And eventually she has the main heroine, though, also fall in love with her. So she just has all these people fall in love with her instead because she's just trying to prevent these things from happening that she's accidentally, like, just being super kind and, like, all these problems that these characters have that would have been solved by the main heroine later on, she's solving them, like, right away. So everyone's just falling in love with her instead. And it's just a lot of fun to watch her do this and be completely unaware that all these people are now in love with her. <laughs> it also kind of sounds like it's kind of subverting some of the isekai tropes where it's, like, it's usually, like, a sl- schlubby guy who, you know, gets reincarnated to the other world, but he has, like, no, like, special skills other than, like, oh, well, he just happens to, like, fulfill some kind of prophecy, and also the real-world knowledge that he knew, like, whatever thing he was an otaku for is, like, what will save the world in the fantasy world, and now, like, he's got all these girls on his dick, he's got all these monster girls who are just horny for him, and, like, he's just doesn't really deserve that kind of affection kind of he's just like really one note and he's meant to be like a, a self-insert for the audience who'd be like oh i'm a gundam otaku so so now i can feel good about like oh now all these girls love me i don't think there's a gundam isekai yet oh no there is it's not oh, gundam is that, the, oh, is that okay. magic and night because that kind of sounds like it but i didn't watch magic and night so Unless it's a different one. There are so many isekai out there. Oh, it's called Knights and Magic. Pretty much, he's a, a Gundam otaku who goes to a fantasy world. It, it's not actual Gundam brand Gundam, but they, they talk about the the models he makes. And pretty much the world has, like, uh, suits of armor that have, like, swords and stuff like that. But they also have, like, shoulder-mounted, like, magic stat- staves that fire off, like, bolts and stuff like that. And he's able to, like, become an engineer and, like, kind of improve the technology they already have in the magical world. And it's, like, another kind of subversion where um, he's not really, like, he's helping out, but he's not, like, the savior or anything like that. He's just, like, this world's already pretty much existing. And, yeah, they've got a world war going on, but he's just, like, kind of improving their quality of life. And they're just kind of continuing to go about their, like, their business. Huh, because that, that world sounds very much like something I'm interested in. And yes, you should, I can. You should, definitely, you should definitely watch the first episode. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, I was really intrigued that, like, the uh, girls as well, like, not just the guys, also, like, falling in love with her. And, like, they fall in love, like, uh, each chapter in the first volume, you get her perspective, and then you get the perspective of the person she's interacting with. So she meets the Prince Jord, who ends up being her fiancé, and you get to see how he reacts to this sudden change in her character. And you can see, like, how they fall in love with her because of the way she's interacting with them. Like, she knows that, uh, 
like Joy is bored and so he kind of turns sadistic. So like the weird way that she interacts now, like she starts farming, she climbs trees. She's nothing like a noble woman's daughter. So like it cures his boredom so he doesn't go down this path. And it's just really interesting. And the final uh, chapter we have from someone else's perspective is her maid, Anne. And she starts saying, like, she knows why all these people are falling in love with Katarina because she's just this kind and caring person. Like, she really cares about people and sees them as people. And it's just really enjoyable. And it's just a lot of fun because she's just completely oblivious to everyone's uh, feelings because she's just trying to prevent bad things from happening that she doesn't realize that she's already stopped these bad ends. <laughs> yeah, the the definitely sounds interesting. It sounds like the whoever's writing it really knows the genre, both like Otome games and also Isekai stories and like just really kind of like turning it inside out and on its head. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I would highly recommend it to anyone who's like looking for a, a, like a isekai story, but that's kind of different than the normal ones that are out there. And hit us with that title again. It's all no wait. It's my next life as a villainess. All routes lead to doom. Awesome, Cassidy. What have you been into lately? I have been playing a game that is not quite an MMO, so I'm not going to be talking about it later, but. It is a free-to-play game with online multiplayer elements. It is Warframe. Ninjas play free. Gotta love those sexy robots. Yeah, these robots are like... They're not traditional robot stylings. They're sort of more organic looking. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's really where I was going to leave off that sentence. Well, I have... um... Somebody I follow back from the Team Fortress 2 days where they used to do TF2 uh, fan art really got into Destiny and uh, kind of along their their way between like Destiny 1 and 2, they really got into Warframe as well. So it's been kind of interesting, like kind of seeing it in like certain like art corners, how people like really getting to Warframe, like the different like characters, the designs, the different skins you can get. Um, looks really cool. I just don't have much of a um a mind for like shooters but uh what has been like kind of your your favorite part about it so far i so i definitely describe the game as like what if destiny was more like borderlands Mm -hmm. Um, because that's generally how it plays like it's mission based as opposed to having an open world um and the most multiplayer you get outside of like one or two maybe even three areas is up to four players at a time on a mission. Yeah. Some of it just feels good. Like I, the reason I started playing it is because I watched the uh, giant bomb East play date where they just had someone come in and play a Warframe. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling similarly to how basically every me- regular member of the beast cast was feeling. I was like, this looks significantly different since the last time I've seen it. And everything is moving so fast and there's so much movement and mechanics going on that I can't really comprehend it right now. 
Yeah, yeah, because you were telling me that there's, like, a good amount of, like, movement tech between, like, parkouring. There's, like, a couple of different, like, dashes and jumps. Yeah, so I'm just going to go through the basics here. You start, you know, you have your regular, you can run around, you can jump. You can double jump, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. You have a sprint button, you have a slide button. If you jump into a wall, you can either jump straight at it and then start climbing up at, or you can start running along it. And I don't think there's a limit to either of those, at least not that I found. Mm-hmm. And, but aside from all of that, if while you're sliding, you hit the jump button, you'll do what is called a bullet jump. And this started as a glitch in the game, but then they just made it a regular mechanic. And it is very good at getting very getting to parts of the map very quickly. I love little things like that where it's like it wasn't quite intentional, but there's a way to like refine that and turn it into an actual game mechanic. That's not just like something that is commonly used by like speedrunners. Like it just gets like loved by the developers and just like brought into the core game. Uh, I'm not like super far into it. I've only been playing it for about a week. Um, I haven't even gotten a second Warframe yet. I started with the Excalibur one, mm-hmm. which now that I, once I learned sort of the details behind how the energy system works and using your special abilities. Um, so there's sort of like a mana system there where yeah. you get like energy pickups from certain enemies. Um, and every uh, Warframe has four abilities and a passive. I think they all have a passive anyways. Um, Excaliburs are there's a uh, the low the cheapest ability is the dash, like a dash attack where you just stri- like fly at an enemy and strike them with your sword. Um, which you'll always use a sword regardless of whatever melee weapon you have equipped because Excalibur's whole thing is that they have a lightsaber basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like an AOE blind. There's an AOE damage attack, and then there quote-unquote ultimate, is they summon a lightsaber. (laughs) Uh, It's basically like a laser katana. And it's... It costs as much as the cheapest ability to use, um, but then it just drains your energy until your energy's empty, and then that's when you stop using it. Okay. It's incredibly powerful, and like with all melee weapons in this game, if you are looking at your enemy, or like walking towards your enemy and they are shooting at you, and you are not attacking them while they're shooting at you, you just deflect all of the bullets. Oh, dang. That's pretty cool. Which also gets really fun, because I recently built a melee weapon that is just basically attachments for your fist and feet, so you can just punch and do a bunch of like full-on hand-to-hand combat combos, and you still deflect bullets with that. <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I um, my partner played Warframe back when it was a bit like I kind of I think before it kind of got its like shinier coat of paint. And I think it did it go through like a rebrand reboot at one point. I think so, because I remember I think trying it around when it first came to Steam or something like that. Yeah. And like between my old computer being absolutely trash garbage and just like how the old game was set up, it was all menus and all of that. Mm-hmm, this yeah. feels a lot more i don't want to say just full-on player friendly but it is more player friendly than what it used to be yeah for yeah, sure definitely 
definitely sounds like they've had some time to like sit with the game and be like, okay, let's turn this into a better experience for our players. Let's really like embrace what makes our game fun and like stands out on the market and like just really deliver a good product. And then, you know, they've ported the game. It's on like what Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and still on PC. Yes, I am playing the Switch version of the game. So yeah. am I, but I haven't played as much as Cassidy yet. <laughs> I recently just started a quest because there are like a few story. Que- there are story quests that like sort of lead you through. Basically, mm. if you start playing this game, just keep filling out the star map and don't worry about trying to focus on building certain things. You'll get there. Mm. All of the information that I've read says anyways. Um, but I have started this quest where I'm going to get all of the blueprints to build something called an archwing. Or arcwing, I think is how it's actually pronounced. The arcwing is like this cool jetpack personal space vehicle thing. And from what I've read, it will unlock the ability for me to start doing it flying in space missions. Ooh. And then if I equip, like, if I find and build a segment for my ship, I'll be able to summon it in, like, the one or two open world sections of the game, such as the Plains of Eidolon, which is something I'm really looking forward to, because on the Plains of Eidolon, or, and there's an Earth planet called, like, with a section called the Plains of Eidolon, and there's a settlement there, and if you do enough stuff for the settlement, you'll build up reputation. And with enough reputation, you can build a custom melee weapon. Oh, dip. That's cool. <laughs> so is it custom as far as appearances go, or is it custom like building you know, like your own stats and traits or um, things like that? Both, in a way, in that like here's all the different blades. They all look different, and they all have different things that come with them. And That's... then you also choose like a hilt, and then some decoration and stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds like the best possible response to that question. <laughs> yeah. Also, you are about to hatch a dog. Yes, I did also another quest where it's like, here's how you get a dog. It's called like a Kubro or something like that. Mm-hmm. And after like basically four days, because I started the quest one day and it probably wouldn't actually take you this long. I just only play it a little bit at a time. Um, but the quest was basically get this expansion for your ship. And then I did. And I was like, okay, now go get an egg, which I did. And then I was like, all right, now you need to get a power generator so you can incubate the egg. And the power generator at the time, I was like, okay, I would have had to save up the money to buy the blueprint and then find all the materials to make it. But if you beat the junction between Earth and Mars... You get one for free. Oh, love that. Yeah, that's actually how a lot of the early game stuff seems to be going, where it's like, oh, they just gave me this thing, but I can't actually do anything with it for a while. You beat the next junction, chances are you're going to get it. Yeah, that's how um, kind of the early stuff for Final Fantasy XIV goes, where it's like, you can, if you really want to spend the time, you can like, as soon as you're able to, like level 10, unlock your crafters and start making your own gear but also just by like running around in the world and doing quests and continue to do the main storyline they're going to give you a lot of pieces and give you armor that like you know upgrades most of your slots anyway by the time you get to dungeons so like you could get really into low level crafting but like odds are you probably don't need to Mm -hmm. Mm. um 
this game you do have to get into low level crafting because everything in this game is crafting as far as getting new weapons and stuff unless you want to pay for the platinum which is their quote unquote real world currency there are ways where you can get it otherwise mostly by finding rare items in game and then going to like a third party like website that lists everybody's trade offers you can put it up there someone will offer to trade it to you for platinum and stuff like that nice uh, it's been a fun time uh, I've only built like a few more things but like I started with an assault rifle I built this three shot burst weapon and I love it um, I'm about <laughs> to build a fully automatic pistol chances are I'm going to love that I built those cool fist weapons those are cool like I just described them with um, I really I think I'm at the point where I do want to find more people to play this with because right now I've just been playing solo um there's a boss I want to go grind on so I can get the blueprints to build a second Warframe. Yes. I'll be sure to try <laughs> I, and play some more so I can play with you. Yeah, what it sounds like to me is we need to start a game night. Because I, I just bought a new SD card for my Switch so I can start putting more stuff on it. And I've been wanting to try the new Warframe, so yeah, I will um, give it a try. It's really easy. Apparently you can just set up a clan for free. Um, and then once you've once you get to the point where you save up enough money to build the blue, buy the blueprint for it and get the resources, you can build a dojo key and get your own private space. Which then you can proceed oh. to decorate and stuff like that. Oh, I love I that. I love decorating in games. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, Warframe sounds great. Uh, love that moment. Been wanting to try it, and I feel like this is the push for me to like actually give it a try um for me gosh i've just been so it was recently my birthday on the 20th of march i turned happy birthday thank you so i'm like really into that (laughs) i turned 28 um you're the oldest person on the podcast yeah um but but only by a year (laughs) Um, so I got some really fun stuff. got some new shirts from my partner. Uh, he also bought me an automaton, but it's a Kirby one. So it's got like a little Kirby face on it. It's got the mouth and it makes the noises. I'm not going to like, uh, subject you guys to that on the recording, but it is just an absolute pleasure to play, even though like, um, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's essentially like, um, it's an instrument that you can play. It's got like a long touchpad that you, with one hand, press, and then the other hand, there's kind of like a little like Pac-Man mouth. It's like a soft latex that when you squeeze it, the mouth opens and like the sound carries further. Um, the sound's actually generated when you push the touchpad, but opening the mouth lets it project. So it actually kind of gives it kind of like it's it's a little bit like um doing the fingerings on a guitar and then strumming but also if when you did the fingerings on the guitar it also just strummed at the same time um but it's really fun it's really hard to like actually keep the pitch it's very easy to just like slide a millimeter and the pitch completely changes um but it's really cute i really like was not expecting it and that's like the most fun gifts are like the weird ones you're just like not even expecting and it's really cute i love kirby (laughs) Um, but, uh, I, I think the, 
the thing I wanted to talk about was I found a new YouTube channel through the K-pop smarts, uh, Patreon podcast. So, uh, Kingdom Smarts, a podcast where, uh, Shannon Manor has 30 minutes to explain Kingdom Hearts to Jake Mason. Uh, on their Patreon, they have a kind of a sub show where they just take a K pop music video and try to like determine like what the story behind everything is. And it's really fun. It's like my monthly treat because I'm very into K pop. I'm like, in this bullshit at this point and um one of the things that shannon man mentioned was there's a youtuber called form of therapy where he will kind of do the same thing where he'll watch a video talk about the song talk about the group and talk about the like video production because that's kind of his background is he's a, a video producer so that's kind of his angle coming at uh this you know the industry is like, you know, how are they doing their production? Is it, you know, are they spending the money on it? Is this like kind of cheaply made? Is the song a banger? And uh, one of the songs that he was like really hyped about recently was a song called Boom Boom Chocolat by a group called Everglow. So they're like a brand new group on the scene. They're a girl group. They just debuted recently. And one of the interesting things that I it's interesting and a little sad is apparently like they're not really getting the recognition in Korea right now because one of their parent companies is a uh, Chinese company. So um, this company pretty much did a partnership with a, a Korean recording and uh, court label and together the two of them put together this, I think it's a six member girl group and they, you know, dropped their first single it has like two B sides and it's really good and it's like it's an absolute banger i love it a lot it's like very like um it has like very like deep bass line and just like a lot of like quick instrumentals and like the girls vocals are very like smooth on top of that so it's like a really interesting contrast between like the instrumentation and the singing and i'm just like it's breaking my heart that it's not really getting like the public recognition that it deserves in my opinion huh. um but we will Definitely, it'll be in the show notes, or I'll be, I'll post the music video on our Twitter so people can watch it. It's good. I highly recommend it. Um, again, that's Boom Boom Chocolat by Everglow. They are great. I love them a lot. But yeah, also form of therapy. His his videos are really interesting. Um, if you've kind of been on the fence on like getting into K-pop, it's a really interesting way to like have somebody kind of break down why K-pop music videos are really effective and like, you know, cinematography techniques, uh, things like that. Yes. I've been slowly getting into K-pop despite my, uh, trying to resist doing that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not working. There's just a lot to sort through. Like you hear about like some of the bigger groups and you're like, okay, you know, like that may or may not click with you, but then like, after that, it's like, where do you go? You know, where are these little, less popular groups that have like, you know, potentially better tracks than the groups that are more well known? And it can be really daunting to like sort through, especially like well established groups that have, you know, been putting out like two, three, four, or five years of just track after track after track and just like, where do I even start with this group? Yeah. I think because recently I, uh, checked out the CLC uh, video for No, and it was just really good. And I said, then I listened to their song. I think it's called Black Dress. 
Yeah, which was yeah. also really good. And I was like, I guess I'm starting to get into K-pop slowly. Yeah, CLC is another one of those groups that like they've had a moderate su- amount of success over the years, but like no, I, I if I'm remembering correctly, no is the first time that they've won an award for one of their songs. They like they charted and ranked number one with that song, and that was like a big accomplishment for them because they've been kind of like a little underserved in the industry for a couple years. Yeah, I also saw they have a song called Depression, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was listening to the the Final Fantasy Eleven soundtrack earlier because I had some songs stuck in my head, and a song came up that's just called Anxiety, and I was like, big mood. <laughs> <laughs> Over the weekend, so um, we recorded, or we didn't record. We we got together. I I dragged my co-host together, and I was like, I want y'all to watch the Final Fantasy fourteen uh, fan fest at least openings. Um, announcements with me and i want to get y'all's like opinions as people who are on the periphery of the game but aren't like in it in it like uh, i am um i've been playing this game since they re i i've been playing final fantasy 14 since it rebooted i owned the game even before that and it's kind of 1.0 form but i never had a computer who could run it and when they rebooted it to a realm reborn they finally brought it to consoles and i was able to play it so uh, i i've been with it for a minute now and i really wanted to get y'all's perspective on new content that's coming with the expansion this summer and uh the announcements of them final fantasy 14 was a game that i did play um, on my PS4, like, I don't know, several years ago, it was before Stormblood. No, is it Stormblood? Is that one of the expansions? There was Storm something. Yeah. yeah. Stormblood is the current expansion that we're in at the moment. The one prior to this one was Heaven's Word, and the, the forthcoming one is Shadowbringers. Yes. So when Heaven's World was uh, there, but before Stormblood uh, mm-hmm. was when I played it, and I got uh, I got my character to level 30, uh, over a period of, like, several months where I would, like, play it, then I would stop playing it, then I would start playing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped playing it before Stormblood came out. So I've had some experience with it, but I haven't touched it until just recently. Again. I think, Cassidy, you played it, but then realized you'd have to play up to level 10 to get the fishing, which is really what oh, you Oh, no, I did get all the way there. Uh-huh. Okay. But like my original plan before I started streaming like a, a couple weeks ago was to start streaming like years ago, but only stream fishing games mm. or games in which I could fish. And so I got there and then I was like, okay, I'm going to stream the rest of this. And then I never did. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I like about the Final Fantasy XIV demo, at least um, the n- kind of newer take on it, because I think the prior trial version had a time limit on it so you could only play it for like x amount of time but with the new trial that they've done because they've kind of reworked it you can play up to level 35 and you can play it as much as you want up to that point i'm pretty sure um but yeah yeah they've raised uh how far you can level and like really like let you get your feet wet wet with like um, what kind of content you want to do but yeah so um i guess going into this fan fest we knew that uh, final fantasy 14 was going to get a new tank job it was a uh, gunbreaker they use 
uh, Gunblade, very much like Squall Lionheart's Gunblade, and we knew that we were getting Viera, um, the female presenting bunny race from Final Fantasy twelve. Um, but, or, and also all the Ivalis games don't at me, Final Fantasy nerds. Um, but so going into this, uh, announcement, it was like, okay, are they going to give us, uh, male presenting Viera? Are they going to give us a new class? Um, and then like, what other sort of like quality of life announcements are going to come out? Um, so, um, (laughs) yeah, so we got... Oh, we got the full trailer for the expansion, which is really exciting. It showed, you know, the Warrior of Light fighting an angel, which is really pretty. Uh, and then he, these, we got to see uh, Viera in like the Ultra HD cutscene rendering, which is always really nice. And she was dancing and she had chakrams. And then Dancer was confirmed. Hell that yeah. That was pretty big. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they use throwing weapons. Yeah, yeah. So they've only shown Vera with chakrams, but they've kind of, um, kind of confirmed that like it's going to be like just throwing weapons in general. So like we may see like boomerangs, we may see uh, shuriken, we may see like I don't know. They could do like hacky sacks for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird to me to see a dancer class with like those kind of weapons because last time I played a game with dancer, they were more of a support than a actual DPS. Yeah, that's um Final Fantasy's 14's mode is very much in like keeping with uh, Warcraft where you've got a uh, tank role, healer role and damage roles. And within damage classes, they offer a uh, kind of a sliding scale of support. So on like one end is uh, like samurai and black mage. They bring no support to the, to the team, but they bring very, very, very high personal damage. And then on the other end of the scale, you have like, bard and red mage which offer a lot of support but they maybe not necessarily bring the highest personal damage and that's kind of how final fantasy 14's handled support is like there's not really like a dedicated support role you just kind of play a dps and either you can buff the party or you don't so it'll be really interesting to see where dancer kind of falls in the middle of that kind of uh spectrum we also got confirmation that uh, in addition to Viera, we are going to have a new playable customization or a tribe of like lion people called Hrothgar, um, which was exciting uh, until <laughs> it was announced that they were going to come at the expense of having male Viera because the Hrothgar are all male and... Also, some of the the textures on the models are definitely look not finished and look like they need some more time in the oven, uh, which is good because the game doesn't come out until like June, July anyway. Um, But it kind of confirmed something that fans were fearful of, that they would kind of reintroduce gender locked races into the game again. Uh, it was something that was in the 1.0 version of Final Fantasy XIV and was in Final Fantasy XI as well, Square Enix's previous Final Fantasy online game, where you had certain races that were locked into one gender. 
and it was something that uh, the producer that kind of rescued Final Fantasy XIV felt strongly about removing from the game, but it's we were kind of feeling like there's a little bit of mixed messages going on where like you remove gender locked races from the game, but now you're reintroducing them. What's going on here? Uh, should I bring up the fact, or I just maybe so we can talk about it now mm-hmm. um, that this is because they wanted to originally introduce a Morbius like race and they were going to go with the Hrothgar just across the board. But then I think maybe some point during like some concept art stuff got shown around and people saw Viera and they were like, ah, we want Viera. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's one definitely a large portion of that. And then also in uh, Stormblood at the moment, there's the big um, large scale raid at the moment is all Ivalis theme. So we've had like three raid tiers that have all been Ivalis content. And I guess maybe we'll mark this at the front, but like light Final Fantasy fourteen spoilers. Fran, like the actual Fran from Final Fantasy twelve shows up at the last one. Oh. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Then at that point they really should just introduce Fiera. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like people were kind of complaining a little bit about that because they were like, this is literally just the copy paste model from her uh, Final Fantasy XII HD version uh, into uh, the game, and people are like, Ugh. but uh, it, yeah, it kind of like reignited like hype for VR to be in the game. You're we like, okay, you're showing us Fran. You gave us all this Ivalice content. We want Viera. and so it's like, yeah, I, I wonder if like they had already gotten the wheels turning on Hrothgar. And then people were like, Viera, Viera. And they were like, well, we were going to give you this other one, but I guess you keep asking about it. So we'll give you bunnies too. And the other thing I think to consider as well is a lot of this stuff that they keep saying about Hrothgar and Viera don't feel like they're set in stone, that we could potentially get male Viera and female Hrothgar in the future. Yeah. Um, um, I was, saw a clip from like an interview or something like the, like the, a translation of it and it said like it's not out of the question going forward because like they did say that this was going to be the last playable race they introduced i think was that correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah they they've been saying that like it would be a lot of work to introduce new races just because like every time they do they have to do you know all the new uh object models for them they have to do like you know all the the mount scaling it's a, it's a ton of work in a large undertaking anytime they do this and uh yeah i feel like they're pretty done after just doing two (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so i think at this point like they're they said it's not out of the question for them to go back and add the other halves of each of those races but also maybe not so who knows i hope so yeah because i really want to play a pretty elf not elf pretty rabbit boy i can play a pretty elf boy if i want i bet rabbit (laughs) Yeah, and like I, I think, especially since like the Hrothgar we saw, one of them li- almost literally looks like Kimari Ronso, and they were literally like leaning like, "Hmm, look at this one. Doesn't he look familiar?" And it's like, "Well, okay, if you're gonna draw reference to the Final Fantasy X Ronso people, then like, yeah, give us female Hrothgar. There were female Ronso all over the place in Final yeah. Fantasy X." Hmm. Uh, they didn't even just say, doesn't this one look familiar? They straight up said, using the character creator, you can create. And then they showed 
both was it Kamari mixing out yeah. yeah. right? And then also Fran. They're like, Yeah, you can yeah. make these. We made these in the character creator. <laughs> Which is like it is it is impressive, but at the same time it's like, okay, y'all. Um and another thing that gives me hope is the fact that they were like, okay, so to be to level with you guys, the developers said they were like, so full faced helmets are not gonna be ready for these new character options when this goes live. We're gonna give you hats and some glasses may work. Um, but like full face helmets are not gonna work. And if we're able to over time, we're gonna reintroduce them into the game and give them to you over time. So clearly this is not a done project for them. They're going to keep adding to this over time. Yeah, this is probably going to be the most um, work they have to put into a race on either end here. Probably yeah. Probably more so with Hrothgar, but yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I, 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 I don't trust Square Enix. I do not trust Square Enix. But I, the, the lead... The developer and producer for Final Fantasy XIV is seems like a genuinely like good guy. He like literally rescued this game that was failing, and like with his bare hands was like, "No, this is not going to fail," and like saved this. And so I, I have a, a tendency to like just kind of believe anything he says. <laughs> um, so if he says like yeah, this is not a done process, then I'm going to believe it. But yeah, they also like announced some interesting lore stuff. We kind of have an idea of what is going to be the large, like the general narrative arc for this expansion, which is exciting for me because we're no longer dealing with like the wars of our world. It's kind of getting really cosmic and weird. We are like doing some dimension hopping. We're getting on other areas we are uh we're going to like it kind of sounds like we're going to a whole nother essentially planet um which is uh very exciting and it's uh i cannot wait because like this last expansion stormblood has really been about um resisting tyranny and like um kind of standing up to oppressors which is kind of an important lesson that i feel like a lot of people need in our current political climate but it kind of some part of it some parts of it hit too close to home for me and other parts of it were like complete misses as far as like story beats they were just like i hate where this is going i know where this is going and they're gonna do some square enix bullshit with this and i'm not about that um so and and the stuff that's interested me in the past as far as like story beats and lore has been weird cosmic stuff that they're setting up that kind of has callbacks to some other world building that they've tried to do in other final fantasies but because they're smaller releases that are just like one succinct story they can't really like get into the weird cosmology of like what makes the final fantasy worlds tick from the look of what they showed at the fan fest it definitely seems like it's gonna be really interesting i'm i haven't played too much so i haven't really gone through much of the story even back when I played it, so... But from what I've seen, it looks like it's gonna be... Definitely gonna be really cool, especially going to, like, a whole new world. Yeah, like, kind of what we've been doing in previous expansions is, like, we've been going to uh, a new part of the continent we we exist on. So, like, you play mostly in um, Eorzea, which is kind of... 
you know, our home continent. And like, you know, uh, Heavensward, we go to uh, Ishgard, which is kind of like uh, the northern neighbor that has been kind of like shutting us out for the longest time. And then like Shadow or uh, Stormblood, we're finally got going east and to like, you know, different like parts of the continent and like a whole nother continent. And then like there's, um you know, Garlemont, which is, you know, where the evil empire is from. And like, so that's, we're probably not going to visit that necessarily this expansion that may happen later but like yeah it's it's getting uh, that i I like the like weird going to other dimensions stuff and i'm kind of glad they're like getting into it um it's been like hinted and teased for a long time yeah definitely all this stuff made me want to like play the game at least a little bit but because i have squandered my ability to play the demo, unless I like go in or re-download it via like the website, maybe I might be able to pull that off. I guess I'll have to wait until it comes to the Switch, <laughs> or until I can pay for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll gift it to you <laughs> if you like. If you, um, I think that's the other thing that's like, um, and and a valid criticism of the game is the fact that you do have to pay a monthly subscription for it. I am a little bit more forgiving for Final Fantasy XIV because they release uh, content like clockwork at this point. Every like two and a half months is a new story update and you can count on that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's completely valid that it is a subscription-based game. I just, I don't have the money for it personally. And I think that's definitely one of the reasons why I stopped playing because I just couldn't afford to keep up my subscription Mm-hmm. which is very valid um it's not exactly i think at the the if you do the kind of cheaper subscription model you can get it at like ten dollars a month or 11 um but if you do the kind of full subscription which um doesn't limit how many characters you can put on a server it's it's 15 dollars a month and that's like not including like additional services that you have i think my account is more than 15 because i uh essentially am paying for additional bag space because i need more items apparently (laughs) yes but yeah um i I think cast you're saying that like it really reminded you of like an e3 kind of presentation you know the kind of like feel of the audience and like the presenters felt very like yeah you know big game announcement which is interesting Mm -hmm. and honestly i can't couldn't tell you the last time FF14 was at the Square Enix E3 presentation because I've watched those for the past couple of years and I don't remember if they've even shown their MMO there. Yeah, they don't get to be on the big stage most of the time. I think they come to E3 because people can do like they'll do like a line where you can like get uh, in line with like a bunch of people and you can do like a raid real quick or like a a boss fight with eight people. Oh, that's cool. Um, but I don't I don't think they do like stage presentations necessarily with like the rest of the square enix games they should yeah they should like it was it was really hype they announced um on day two that um i don't know if you'll y'all saw this but the 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 japanese drama about final fantasy 14 called uh father of light or i guess in one translation it was daddy of light um they are (laughs) They are readapting from the uh, prime, or it was a late night drama into a movie. 
Oh. Um, oh. So that'll be really interesting. The The kind of general gist of the movie is, or I guess the series was, it's based off of a series of blog posts that somebody wrote, a, a Japanese young man, where um, his dad was uh, kind of was like forced to retire from his, his job because of health reasons. And so his dad was just kind of like sitting about and like not really doing much all day. So the son decided to buy him a PS4 and give him Final Fantasy 14. They had played Final Fantasy 3 when they were, when the boy was young. Um, the father and son had played uh, Final Fantasy 3 together way off, a long time ago on the Famicom. And so the, like that's like a cherished memory for like the two of them. But because of like work responsibilities, the dad hasn't really been able to like hang out with the son as much. So the dad starts the game and like kind of the general like gist of it is like the son is helping the dad in game, but doesn't know that that character is the son's character. So they like kind of, you kind of like follow the two of them, like playing through the game. And like, there's kind of like, you know, a couple of like funny moments where like, you know, it's just like, you know, mistaken identity, that that kind of hijinks. Yeah. And like the, with them bringing into a movie, it becomes a, a lot more accessible for certain people who don't want to just like sit down and watch a whole like you know Japanese drama about it. It makes it like a lot more condensed. It's definitely been on my uh, plan to watch list because I watch a lot of Asian dramas, but I haven't gotten to it yet. It's good. I mean, also just maybe wait for the movie to come out next year. Yeah, sorry for the best. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Do we want to talk about, like, our personal backgrounds with MMOs, or do we want to just, like, get into listener questions? Um, maybe we can cover it in listener questions, because I think that would have been something that could be a tie-in with at least one of these. Uh-huh. Hopefully, because I wanted to talk about something, but if we can tie it into the questions, hopefully. Oh, no, if you have something you would like to say, please do. I don't want to try yeah. to hold anyone back. Yeah, Charlie, like, what's your what's your background with MMORPGs? Well, I mean, my background is probably a lot of, not maybe not a lot of people's, but I think one of the first MMOs people played was RuneScape. Mm-hmm. I played that back in, like, middle school. But I didn't get into MMOs until high school when I played this game called Dream of Mirror Online. Uh, okay, yes, please, tell me more. Yes, uh, it's... Because I saw this site called Area Games, and they have, like, a bunch of MMOs. And I thought Dream of Me Online was the most interesting, so I decided to play it. And it was a lot of fun. Like, when I first... So, my experience with this game is divided into two chunks. There was when I played it in high school, and then when I came back to it after high school. And when I played it initially, there wasn't, like, too much content. You have, like, four different races you can choose from, which are, like, cat people, uh... Uh, the short race, you know, you always have, like, little, like, habit-looking people. There's the humans, and then there was this race called the Sylphs, which I picked, which are, like, kind of, like, really psychic people, because they float above the ground, and they don't actually hold, like, their weapons, because they their bodies are too weak, because their psychic powers are so, like, immense, that they can just, like, keep their bodies off the ground, and they just use their psychic powers to, like, move their weapons for them, which I thought was cool. <laughs> so when I played that, it's, like, I played that game for, like, a year. Like, I was there when they celebrated, like, their two-year anniversary. 
I was there when they revealed like the dance and musician class and then the merchant class eventually. When they unveiled uh, a new area, I didn't get too far. Like my character them herself, like she didn't get. I didn't build her up too far. Like I got to over like thirty five when the the cap used to be sixty and then it was seventy because I was playing a shaman, which is more of an AOE -er, and I was soloing it a lot. <laughs> I just didn't want to, because I was like, I don't need to play with groups. I'll just play. I'll just do it by myself. So I never got too far in the actual story, but I had a lot of fun because I made, I was in a guild called Wonderland the first time I played it, and like the people there were just really awesome, and like we had like our own form site where we could like talk and like make plans for the guild and stuff, and it was just a really awesome adventure, like, not adventure, experience, because like, it was the first time I spent money on an MMO. Which is mm -hmm. funny because when I did it the first time, I didn't have, like, a card. So I actually mailed money to the company to get the <laughs> points so I could buy uh, a costume for my character. Hell yeah. 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 Yeah, looking good in an online game is, like, one of the most important things. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the most important thing in any game, let alone online. Yeah. Yeah, and it... It was really cool because you can also have pets where you hatch them from eggs. And depending on what kind of egg you have, there's more like mount ones or ones that kind of look like sexy ladies. That will also like <laughs> buff you during battle. Nice. <laughs> yes. And like there was, they also introduced like a wedding system where you can get married. At first you could only, only like uh, male female couples could get married. But eventually they got rid of that. So like anyone could get married. Which I was glad about because people who wanted to like have their uh, character married to like their partners, they would like make like opposite, like they would have to make a different gendered character in order to do that. So I'm glad that they got like they didn't that didn't stick around for long. And it was just a lot of fun because like I remember you get titles and there was this place in one of the first areas where if you do it 15 times you get a title so i would keep like i would do it and then i would have to wait like like 10 minutes and then go back and like i did this for like an entire day so i could get the title <laughs> and it had a lot of cool stuff it had like flying and like just there was all this amazing things and it was a lot of fun and then i stopped playing i don't know why i stopped playing but when i came back to it later i played it with my ex and i got him into the game and we made some really cool friends again and this was at a point where like all the stuff that i saw like get to be revealed in the game uh it was already there like it was a lot of fun but then the game shut down which is why i stopped playing it the second time mm. I, I mentioned domo to my partner before we started and he was like oh yeah i think we we tried that game for a little bit and i was like really and I was like, I don't remember much of it other than like, uh, that game had uh, what's called auto pathing, where you could just yes. like click a quest and it would just bring you to the quest giver, which uh, I don't, I'm not a really big fan of because like I feel like that doesn't uh, encourage like actually learning the map. You can just like click a button and it just like walks you to the next quest. And I'm just like, Ugh, that's not. 
It's not my favorite. I really enjoyed it because sometimes I would just get tired of like clicking to move my character, so I would just like automatically just go to this quest. Yeah, I mean, it has its purposes, and I get why it's popular in uh, uh, in certain games, but it's not exactly my favorite feature. Yeah, I remember the uh, when I first played it, I had no idea how you were supposed to chat in the chat box, and I eventually figured out you're supposed to push the space bar before you start typing, and it took me like two hours to figure out I had to push the space bar. <laughs> One of my favorite things about that game that they fixed, but when I first originally played it, uh, there was these things called the Red Packets, which were released for like the Chinese New Year's. Um, and like sometimes you would get items from them, but sometimes you could use them to summon this level 60 monster. And when they first had these, you could summon the monster anywhere there were no restrictions so a lot of people would summon the monster suddenly in the starting town and all the new players would just die <laughs> because oh. there's this level 60 monster suddenly in the starting town with all these beginners is there like is there like a timer on it before it like will go away or no. does it just like stay up until it gets killed? It stays up until it's killed. Oh no. Yeah. Eventually they restrict the monster from being summoned in towns. So people would just do it outside the starting area. <laughs> and then they had to restrict that it could only show up in certain areas because people were still trying to kill new players with this monster. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. Like, I was really sad when it uh, was shut down. They It did come back, like, two years ago. I haven't played it. But it is back. Like, it's on Steam. You can download it and play it. But, like, I had, like, a lot of my first experience with MMOs was with uh, Domo. And I... So it's always had, like, a special place in my heart. Like, when I think about, like, MMOs, I think about... All the fun experience I had, like, with the guild and with all the new stuff that came out and with the pets and just trying to go through the story and just seeing, like, all these, like, things that shouldn't be happening happen. Like, they had this really, like, there's this cemetery in one of the starting areas and for Halloween they uh, changed the map so, like, there was, like, this whole zombie quest up in that area where you can get, like, a costume and, like, others and, like, a title and stuff if you complete the entire, like, event up there, which was just really fun to do. Yeah, I think that's, like, one of the things that has always kept me coming back to MMOs is, like, playing with a good group, you know, making friends in game that you want to see when you log in, and then just, like, being active when the game grows, seeing, like, you know you know learning about funny bugs in the game getting to play around with them with a, a little bit but then they get like patched out a couple weeks later months down the line and then like just seeing like you know expansions you know additional classes more customization options like just getting to see this thing that you love keep going um and i think that's like part of like the reason why people get so distraught when mmos get shut down because, like, you put a lot of energy into this, not just, like, gameplay stuff, but, like, you also, like, make friends. You make, you know, you strengthen relationships in these games, and then they just kind of, like, well, one day we'll just, like, shut down because they're not making money anymore, apparently. Yeah. 
I was really upset when it was shut down because I had so much fun. Like, I knew people weren't playing as much anymore, but, like, the guild I was in was still active. And we were still doing, like, going out, like, missions and stuff and just having a lot of fun. And it was just really sad to see it all go when I invested so much time and, like, I just still was enjoying the game even if there wasn't a lot of people around anymore. I hope that yeah. now that it's back, even if I not playing it again that the people who are now playing it for the first time are having a lot of fun yeah if it's it's free on steam then i feel like it's gonna have a pretty uh good number of people playing it and keeping it active yeah i also just want to say one more thing uh with area games i was also the only time i've ever got to play an mmo in its beta phase because there was this new game that's coming out called Grand Fantasia. Is that the one? I think it might be Grand Fantasia. Uh, as it was, I, I signed up for the beta and I got in. I was like, hell yes, I get to be in a beta. I only caught one bug. Uh, eventually, uh, down like, uh, like you start in this first area and then you move to the next area. Like depending on what kind of job you want to take. Depends on what area you go to next from the beginning area. And when I got to the next area, there was this, like, cute, like, like boar monster. And it was speaking in the, like, the, they didn't translate the game <laughs> completely. And that was the only bug I caught. And it was, <laughs> it was sad, though, because when the beta was finished, your character, like, all the characters got deleted and you had to start over again. But, like, you mm. get, like, additional items and stuff that, because you participate in the beta. And I played that for, like, a couple months. Like, I played the beta, and then I played the actual game when it came out. Which was fun, because I was playing as a hunter, so I had a gun, which was fun. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I, got, I was um, lucky enough to beta test the relaunch of Final Fantasy XIV when it, the, the first, or not the first, it was the third closed beta, and then I also was signed up for the fourth open beta, so I got to play like the game in its like new relaunched form. Uh, I got to try out the new Arcanist class because Arcanist hadn't been added to the game. So in 1.0, there was no summoner. Um, you know, that was, that was brand new for the relaunch. And it was really fun until all the North American servers just straight up crashed. Oh. And we weren't able to like log in for like, a uh, couple days oh no so uh pretty much all of the people we were playing with like we all made characters on a japanese server <laughs> we're like well if we can't play the beta on a uh, u.s server we'll just play in japan so you have to like deal with like that extra little bit of server lag you yeah. know trying to have your game communicate to japan and back but it's yeah, it's it's always really fun getting to have those kind of experiences with beta testing mmos yeah definitely Cassidy, what is what is your background with uh, with MMORPGs? Uh, shallow and stagnant. Yeah. Um, I started with RuneScape. I played that for probably one afternoon, and then never again. Happy for the best. I just <laughs> i've i've still have never gotten into an MMO. Um, I. I think the most I've played one was recently I played Guild Wars 2, I think, for about two weeks. And then I stopped. I just... I don't know. I think it's... I want to like MMOs a lot. I just... 
and I've played a decent number of them. I've played, uh, you know, not counting Runescape or things that I haven't played for more, more than once. Like I played Maple Story for probably a total of two or three weeks now. I've played Guild Wars for probably about three weeks now. I played Star Wars The Old Republic a few times. I beat like the entire opening planet um, for two characters, I think. Mm. Um, I played the Final Fantasy XIV demo. I played WoW for about a week. And stuff like that. I just... I never get past the... I never get to the big multiplayer phase, and even when I do get to parts where multiplayer could be a thing, I just... I was never good. I have, I have like a weird case of social anxiety when it comes to the internet. Especially when I was younger. Yeah. In that I would read forums, but I would never post on forums. I would mm. watch people play games. I would never play a video game with people. Or the times that I would, like, I'd do it with people I knew from, like, school. And a lot of times, we wouldn't be playing MMOs or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many other people are playing online games, but still have that kind of, like, uh, like social anxiety. Um, but also, like, I think it is valid if you've tried it before and it just doesn't feel right for you i mean that's that's okay too Uh, i think my big thing when we'll cover this later but i guess the tldr of something i'm going to say later is i think if you play with friends and if you bring in your own people to a game and you can really like curate the massively multiplayer part of an mmo then i think it it helps when you know you are like asking yourself like why do i want to log in tonight and you're like well i want to see my friends i want to hang out with people i like and then like and then if they're like hey do you want to do a dungeon together and you're like yeah sure i wasn't planning on doing anything but if you want to i'll come with yeah i think that's the thing is like i never got to any of those parts in like the games where i might have done that like guild wars 2 i did play it a few times with other people but it was just me running around completing a few missions on the map and there's not much other than that and then i never get to like the dungeons or raids part of mmos which seem to be like the big thing that people like about them the big the more social aspect and for a lot of games where i would be getting to that in it requires me going through let's say about 10 hours of ostensibly single player com- content yeah yeah yes. that's that is pretty true and you have to like kind of nose to the grind like get through some of that early stuff to get to uh what people really like about the game and that's kind of one of the feelings of the genre is like uh, uh where mmos have kind of fallen now a lot of like air quotes the fun stuff is at max level and a lot of developers don't really think about like the leveling process getting there it's like you know, you need to be thinking about what is the experience going to be like as a brand new person starting at level one and going through your world, getting to max level if they even get to that. And like, is this is that experience still fun? On top of the stuff you have to develop but for high end players who are max level, they've been max level since the expansion came out and they're still subscribed. So what are you giving to them 
to keep them entertained too. And you have to do this, you know, juggling act as a developer. It, it can be a lot. And sometimes I feel like the easier thing to drop on that equation is to drop the leveling experience and just keep juggling, you know, balancing raids, coming out with new raids, doing more dungeons for high-end players. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm guessing there's a reason World of Warcraft has now given you the ability to level up a character to max level. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. With just, like, a button press. They also do the same thing with Destiny, which is kind of an MMO. Like, you play with people online, so... Uh, where if you, uh, buy a certain... Like, I don't remember exactly what hap- what you have to do, but, like, if you buy Destiny, or buy something in Destiny, you can automatically become level 30. So you don't have to worry about leveling up, and you can do all the cool stuff that's available once you're that level. Yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen has added um, individual, essentially their jump potions. So you buy one and you're like, oh, I wanted to play Paladin, so I'll buy the Paladin jump potion. It levels your Paladin up to 60, 50, 60. And then you can, you know, just start on, you know, all that stuff. And then additionally, you can buy, they sell separately, uh, the ability to just skip an expansion's worth of uh, story content. Because oh. everything in Final Fantasy fourteen is gated through the the main story quest or the MSQ, so you'll find you'll frequently hear people saying that like I really like this game, but I'm stuck in the pre. Uh, after a Realm Reborn came out, they were like, you know, can continue to do content patches and updating the story, and we're kind of like ramping up to do uh, Heavensward, the first expan or yeah, the first expansion. So there's just like a ton of quests to do between the first the relaunched game in the first expansion and some people get really tired out and like burned out at that point so they will opt to buy that skip potion to jump just jump straight to heaven's word and you know that's when you can unlock new jobs that's when you get like you know new exciting story quests and i I do not blame people who want to go that route because it is it is a lot of quests to do to just get new content and back when we played that with space in between it, it didn't feel so bad but now that you have to do like, you know, story quests that we did over the course of nine months, it, it can be a lot. Um, my personal history with MMOs, I, I tried to get into some when I was in high school. Um, that was kind of the main time that I, I was kind of the perfect age, but uh, due to family reasons and kind of having strict parents, I was never really able to get into them. Uh, I, I, I dabbled in Maple Story and I dabbled in um, a, a Korean MMO called Fliff, which is a uh, uh, shortening of Fly for Fun. So the whole game was based off of like unlocking flying for your character very early and you either got a witch's broom or a essentially a surfboard, a hoverboard. Oh. And you you traverse the game on that. And I played that with friends for a little bit, but wasn't able to really like progress in it partially due to like burnout uh i burned out on the game a little bit just playing it too much what i could play when my parents let me and then also like i i felt bad because i felt like i was dragging my friends away from other things they wanted to do because they were leveling faster they were leveling faster than me because they could just play all the time and my parents were restricting my game time so i wasn't able to like keep up with them and then i felt bad i was like well i just feel like i'm keeping you from doing what you want to do so i don't want to do that so i ended up stopping stopping that and it wasn't until um i started dating my boyfriend torrents um that i really got back into them we were kind of looking in um 
I guess going back a little bit further, when we first started dating, uh, he was living here in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was in Athens, Georgia. So um, we were finding ways for like the two of us to hang out when we were long, <laughs> when we were long distance. And um, we, we tried some like co-op games on steam, uh, but like, you know, we, we wouldn't really like get too into them. And then he eventually was like, Hey, how would you like to like check out world of Warcraft? It'll run on your PC. Cause it's not that resource intensive on like starting areas and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've always wanted to like, give it a try. I tried like at one point to download it on a, a netbook, but that didn't work out. Cause it's a netbook. Um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I've been after that, I've pretty much been hooked. I play, I, so I've been playing world of Warcraft since cataclysm, um, so that would be 2011. And then from there, we've played, uh, yes, Star Wars The Old Republic together. We've played Guild Wars 2. We've played, uh, Rift. We've played Final Fantasy 14 and Final Fantasy 11 together. And it's just kind of been history. You know, we've, we'll try, oh, yeah, and we also tried a, a, a game last year called Bless, but that was just, it was cursed. It was not blessed. It was cursed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really unfortunate because it looked really promising. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's my rough history. I, I really like, um, obviously like, you know, the, um, getting to meet new people can be like really like stressful and, part of me sometimes is like i just i don't want to like talk to anybody i just want to play by myself right now and i just want to like keep my head down and get story quests but then like sometimes like somebody will log in and be like oh i haven't seen you forever let's talk and just like really getting to know people and so i have to i'm I'm constantly at war with myself because i'm like i really want to meet new people but also um being queer and trans on the internet sometimes people say dumb stuff that you're just like I just really want to correct you and like, just like, you know, turn this into a learning moment, but I'm in the middle of a dungeon and I'm healing you guys. And I just like, I don't have time for that. And you're just like really, really stressing me out right now. And it's, I don't, and then like afterwards, you're like, I just don't want to deal with that again. I just don't want to play with other people. I just want to play with my friends. And so you kind of like go back and forth with like, you know, really want, or at least I do uh, really wanting to play with the people that I know, but also like just, you know, wanting to make more friends. Cause like, you know, every stranger is kind of um, somebody or a friend you haven't made yet. Yeah. And that's uh, something that I've really like learned from my partner who's a lot more trusting and a lot more, um, you know, willing to give people the benefit of the doubt where I'm just like, no, they're an asshole a lot quicker than he is. Um, but yeah, I've pretty much been playing them since. So that's uh, about eight years now. <laughs> but yeah, I... I get the the criticism that a lot of people have because, like, you know, you for a lot of people, you don't want to really put yourself in a situation where you you could you are exposed to people who are not going to be nice to you, who are you know not going to play well with you, and it's it is really hard to kind of reconcile that with like the good experiences you have with the game and like kind of weighing them in your head, like, well. I, I do want to play this game where I can play with my friends, but also at the same time, I could potentially expose myself to harassment, even if it's not like direct. Um, 
you know, do I want to put myself through that to play this game that I really do like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, as always, we got some awesome, awesome questions on our Twitter this week. Um, so we, we asked um, people on Twitter, like, what um, would y'all like to hear us talk? Or we, we, we posted that we were going to talk about MMOs this week. And we, we got some really cool questions. Um, I think we will move into answering those now. I mean, um, we've been recording for almost an hour and a half. so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the first question we got is from James at Discord Inc. And he asks, how do you approach getting into a new MMO? I see people talking about Final Fantasy XIV all the time, but I never know where to start since there's so much to do. Uh, and I think his second question also ties into that a lot. Um, cause he also okay. asks, how do you avoid getting burned out on an MMO or alternatively, what's the best way to make time for an MMO without it taking over your life? And I feel like those questions are closely linked, at least in my experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, in your experience, Cassidy, like what, what has been helpful for you getting into a game and also not letting it like ru- run your life and also not getting burned out on it? I feel like I can't answer this question because I haven't gotten into an MMO to begin with. Like, I started up a new MMO saying, maybe this will be the time where I want to get into the multiplayer part of this, but I get so caught up in trying to get through the non-multiplayer part that I just stop playing. So I have the exact (laughs) same problem that James is talking about here. (laughs) Well, then we'll turn it over to Charlie. Charlie, do you have any advice for James? I mean, uh, when I look at games like that I want to play, usually I check to see like what's available. Because it, it is overwhelming. It's like when I was looking at to play Final Fantasy XIV at first, like there's just a lot of options and it's a lot to get into. I think I have the benefit that I don't mind just playing by myself like the entire game if that happens, like, from when I started playing MMOs up till now, I've always been much more of a solo player. So I don't have, so I don't worry too much about how to get into the multiplayer aspect, which is something I know a lot of people don't deal with. It's, it's something that is just a benefit for me. Mm-hmm. It's like the... It's, so I just tend to look at, like, what the game has to offer me, and I figure out before I start playing what exactly I want from the game, like what kind of classes I want to play, what kind of races I want to play, like I'll figure that out so I can focus on that at first. And that's usually how I get into games. I look at what is there for me to pick from and I'll use that as a way to start myself off and just trying to get into like the story of the game before I branch off into anything else. Yeah, but then like once you've got got your character and you've, you know, started to really like the story, like, what do you do to, like, prevent yourself from just completely burning out or, like, you know, having it completely waste your time? I think the best thing to do is just to not play all the time. Like, I know mm. for some people, they don't, the, like, you want to play the game a lot because you want to catch up to where other people are. But I think, yeah. like, if you have, like, events where, like, there are the events in the games or like you want to do something with your friends, you could like plan that out in advance so that you have these days where you're just playing the game a lot. But then when you don't 
have those aids, you can do other things or just play it for like a little bit so you can progress. I think it's taking, yeah. you should take time away from the game. You should have time where you're just not playing the game and then times where you can just invest like a lot into it. Because when I played Domo, I was able to like take time away, like I would take time from, away from it and then come back to it when like bigger things were happening or when I had more time. And it helped me continue through the game without burning out. Because I tend to burn out pretty fast. Like, having both ADD and autism, I get super into things super fast. And it tends to burn me out very quickly. Because I mm. don't know how to manage my uh, time when I get into new things. So what I found is best is to have other things that I can do as well. So I don't just get super absorbed into something. Yeah, but still have like time where I can like spend with other people where, like if I know something is coming up I can plan to invest all this time into that so I can mm-hmm. play the game without having to devote like all my time to it yeah I think that like sets up what I was gonna say um I guess just going back to like the first part like if you really want to get into a game I think like the first thing you need to do See if you can run it. See if you have the console for it. There's nothing worse than like really wanting to play a new online game, but realizing your PC can't handle it. Um, <laughs> uh, the next thing I would do is like, yeah, check out a trial. See if the game has a trial or a demo version. Um, and then like, if you if you're still feeling feeling like playing it while the trial or demo is downloading, like read up on the game, like see if it has like a monthly subscription, learn a little bit about the lore, like what kind of setting are you going to be playing, what is available for like you know classes, customization, and like is this an experience that you're going to want to come back to? I feel like making a character that you can really like sink your teeth into can really help you want to come back to the game. Like once you know you're done with like either the trial or just like when you're done for like that first session like what is going to keep you coming back to this game after you've like started it um another thing i always suggest is uh play with friends you know either that already play the game or that you can talk into trying it with you um the MM part of MMORPG is massively multiplayer and you might as well stack that in your advantage and play with people you care about and like who will be friendly with you and like, uh, you know, treat you right. Also, I highly suggest finding an active and friendly guild. Like even, even if, you know, you're not going to be playing with friends, you know, from real life, find a group of people who you can ask questions to, that yes you can just google some of these things but having real life people explain them to you um can really help you like process the information better and like helps you retain it um and i think that like helps like keep you coming back um and kind of piggybacking off of what charlie was saying as far as like avoiding burnout uh i think one of the things that um my partner's mantra about burnout and I've kind of adopted it too is like, don't tell yourself you need to play the game. Like in your thoughts, when you're thinking about this MMO fight yourself, when you think like, I need to play this, I need to log in and change that to, I want to play this. I want to do this task. And, and I feel like that helps kind of like shift your perspective with it and can help you, um, on nights when you're like i don't want to log in 
and then you just are able to take the night off and you can just do whatever don't you don't have to do it um and especially if you're like hitting a hard part of the game that's like boring um you know thinking about like what you have in store like are you excited about learning everything in your spell book are you excited about a, a set of gear you really want to earn from a dungeon or that a friend can make you like that can really kind of like help you motivate through some like really boring quest chains and then stuff like that also like if you're worried about time management one of the things that i like to do is like kind of think of like a goal you want to accomplish when you log in like just don't log in just to be online like think about like i'm logging in because i want to do this quest today or i'm logging in because i want to get these dungeons done for the week and then like block off the time that you have in the evening you know morning afternoon whatever to do those tasks and then when you're done let yourself log out and just like move on to other things with your routine i also want to suggest this is dependent on the kind of person you are but sometimes what helps me is also if i'm doing something else at the same time i'm playing like if i'm doing like a really like boring class i'm grinding and like if I can have like a video on in the background or like a podcast, that helps me because then I have also have something else to, to focus on. So I'm not feeling like I'm just like forcing myself for this thing. I have something enjoyable also that I can spend my attention on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, you know, if you are able to play with friends, like voice chat with them, like, you know, crack jokes while you're like, yeah, doing some menial tasks. I think a lot of gameplay for for mmos is like relatively easy a lot of the time like yeah you're just pushing one to kill a monster and i feel like it's almost intentionally designed that way so you can be like just chatting with your buddies either in you know text chat or voice chat and like you don't feel like you know you're doing this terribly complex you know you know dark souls maneuver on this boss like no you can just kind of like stand still and like beat them up and then like if you need to move out of one attack you move out of one attack but um the 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 gameplay lends itself to multitasking really well yeah um our next question comes from janine at janine juliet congratulations on your new handle janine oh i didn't even notice it it changed wow yeah (laughs) wow and she asked, what are your best and worst character cre- creator experiences? Um, I'm going to say any character creator where you don't actually have a whole lot of choices looking at you. Maple Story. Yeah. Right? It's like you get like a face and maybe a hair. I also and- mentioned Maple <laughs> Story is worse. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will say my personal worst is Final Fantasy XI. You literally, when you log in, it takes like a year to download that dumb game and you finally get into it and you get your, like you start making your character and they have these like videos that play in the background while you're like thumbing through the menu, selecting like your starting class, how tall your character is. So you can only select um, between eight different faces and hairstyles. The hairstyles and the faces are tied together and each face and hairstyle is offered only in two different colors so you a lot of the time it'll be like you know for like humans it'll be like do you want brown hair or do you want blonde hair there's like really nothing else there and then the worst part of it 
is when you get in game, your character doesn't even look like that. It's like a low res version of that cutscene that plays in the background while you're trying to like determine your character. It's so disappointing. Um, also another character creator that I just like remember distinctly not liking was Rift. Um, it, you have a lot of options, but I feel like in the long term, a lot of the faces end up the same, even if you try to like really do like max sliders and stuff like that. And what I have found is a lot of the time, if you were playing on lower graphic settings, when you get your character into the actual overworld, you will be several shades lighter for your skin tone if you're playing a character who is like medium to dark complexion oh no which is extremely disappointing it doesn't do that if you're playing on higher settings but when i was playing it on a laptop like yeah i would make my character with like a relatively deep purple skin and i get them in game and they're like lavender are you kidding me um my personal two best are uh blade and soul and black desert online have beautiful character creators um I black, desert, black desert online that was really good black desert online i think loses a couple points because they do gender locked classes and every class kind of has like a set aesthetic that you can't really deviate too far from but from within each class there are a lot of options for like your face the hairstyles you can like really fine tune like your hair wave or like the length of it or like if you want a certain layer of your hair shortened you can do that and it gets really in depth and it's very shiny and pretty i just cannot stand that game once you actually get into the game proper black desert online i feel like balances like a robust character creation without really like railing you in and then like i feel like the gameplay was a lot more of my style when i actually got into it um cassie did you have a best or did you just have a worst uh i can't like remember any character creator i've touched in the mmo recently aside from like guild wars 2s guild mm. wars yeah guild wars 2s is a weird way to say it but that is the proper way to say mm. yeah um, but I don't find it super enjoyable. Also, Guild Wars 2 is guilty of the thing where they don't even give you all the options. They don't give you all the options up front. You have to pay real life money for like the good hairstyles and colors a lot of the time. Mm. I will say, though, honorable mention to Guild Wars 2, they are the, as far as I know, the biggest MMO that actually has good curly and afro textured hair like oh. final fantasy 14 has one afro and one set of uh, of uh dreadlocks and then like a couple of cornrows but they definitely look like they were not designed by people who have that texture of hair guild wars 2 has a robust selection of curly hair um options for their humans and i really 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 like that a lot final fantasy 14 does not have that and world of warcraft does not have that either and they need to step up their game that's like a big blind spot on both of their character creators um next on our list comes from jake mason at Wait, jj I was gonna say one thing about character oh. creators None... go, ahead, go ahead this is not an mmo character uh huh I could say words. This is not an MMO character creator, but it should be. People should do what this game has done. 
because nothing has ever beaten Dragon's Dogma. Because not only do you have yes, a height, yes. cre- height slider, you have a weight slider, and none of the options are locked by gender. Oh, Fantasy Star Online 2 has that. But Fantasy Star Online 2 is Japanese locked. So it has not gotten a Western release and it probably will never. Sega refuses to bring it to the West. Bring it to the West, Sega. (laughs) Yeah, uh, PSO2 has a very, very, very good character creator. It just, they refuse to bring it to the West. It is Japanese, like, in like other Asian markets, I want to say too. Like, I think they have got like a Korean port. But they refuse to bring it to North America, and it is a tragic uh, travesty. Uh, yeah. So I also just remembered one that actually is a pretty good character creator, because well, Maple Story has the bad one. Maple Story Two. Yes. That character creator was Buck Wild. Now that I remember it, because you could yeah. individually adjust like the length of certain hairstyles. If you put a scar on your character, you could put it anywhere. You could drag the ponytails around too. So if you wanted a side pony, you can have it. You wanted, if you wanted like a a back ponytail, you could have it too. If you wanted a high ponytail, you could have that. Maybe (laughs) I should play. Maybe we should try Maple Story too. Now that it's out. Yes. Yeah. Because also Maple Maple Story Two has all that like create a player made custom content too for like textures and like yeah, items as that well that part's not quite as good because they won't flag or at least during the beta they weren't reasonably flagging all of this incredibly awful content uh, i'm hoping that they fixed that because yeah that was really disappointing yeah i think if i open it up and a lot of that stuff's still there or if it's gotten worse i might just not bother yeah yeah Alright, um, our next question comes at us from Jake Mason at JJ underscore Mason. What are some features or gameplay mechanics that you've never seen in an MMO but you would like to? Um, I'll take the lead on this one. There's, I haven't run into this a whole lot, but when you've been playing a, a game for a long term, sometimes you don't get along with certain people and... Um, you'll end up blacklisting them a lot of the time. A lot of the games will have like a blacklist and like a friends list is kind of like a whitelist. And I really, really, really want a game that if I blacklist somebody, it completely eliminates their avatar from the world and I never have to see them around. And I also want that if I have blacklisted them, that they cannot be paired with my character in random paired content. Oh god, that sounds awful if you blacklist someone and then the game still pairs you together. But, like, I won't be able to hear them talk in party chat, but, like, that brings back, me- you know, memories of them harassing you and saying shitty things to you. Yeah. Like, also doesn't do anything good because if you're still paired together, but now you can't even see their stuff in chat mm-hmm yeah um so that's just like i don't know just a quality of life that i've just been wanting ever since i've played warcraft and experienced my first like online hate for playing on a predominantly queer server and had somebody do the emote slash spit at my character for no go- good shit. reason um but a more fun one is i really want an mmo to ask me what my pronouns are yes I because 
one of the things that I've, I've encountered recently, I was playing uh, in Final Fantasy 14, you have the ability to buy a premium item that lets you do a race change. And I was playing the kind of more dragon looking uh, humanoids called the Aura, but I was playing the male version of it. And it was like giving me dysphoria that all the uh, NPCs were referring to me as like Mr. Warrior of Light and with he, him pronouns. And I was just like, I like playing female elves. Anyway, I can play like fairly androgynous characters or like a lot more in keeping with my own gender expression. So that is end up, that is fine too. So I ended up switching back to that. But it just really sucks that I couldn't just be like, hey, yo, don't use he, him pronouns for my, for my avatar. Like I can't, I can't control other people misgendering me, but it sucks that I can't talk to the NPCs and prevent that either. Yeah. I, I was going to ask the ask, is Vampire the Masquerade an MMO? Or is that just a game? I thought that was just tabletop. No, there's a game version of it. They just, they're just they going to be coming out with a new game yeah, of Vampire the Masquerade yeah. 2 Bloodline, online. Yeah. Because I, was, I wasn't sure there was an MMO, though. Is it? Uh, I don't think it is. I think it's a single-player experience. Okay. Because I was going to say that they're coming out with an option where you can have, uh, you can pick your pronouns. And how I would really love that to also be in MMOs, so I could have, like, my own pronouns in there. Yeah, and it's like, um, I I downloaded a, a different gotcha game, and they literally, like, in the character creation was like, how should we refer to you? And it's a gotcha game that is like only half translated in English. It's mostly in Japanese. And they still took the time to ask me what my pronouns were. And I was able to say other, which defaulted to they there. And I love it so much. Yeah. And also uh, talking about Dragon's Dogma, I really lo- would love a character creator that allows for more like just a completely like you can pick whatever you want to for your character where things aren't like locked behind specific genders. So I could make a character that's more like how I express myself, like my own presentation. Because I tend to play female characters more because I like the more prettier stuff, but I don't really like being referred to as she, her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not fun. Cassidy, did you have any... um Things you would love to see in an MMO, maybe something that would help you keep coming back to uh, an uh, online game? I don't know if it would make me come back to it more often or not. And it's definitely not as, like, basically a requirement as some of your things were. Mm. Uh, but I haven't ever seen a MMO that has mechs in it. Right? Oh, like, cool. Let me customize like a mech. Give <laughs> Give me the Build Divers online experience. Hell uh, yeah. I, I'd play Build Divers. Like a... Is Build Divers real yet? <laughs> Final Fantasy XI has a class called Puppet Master that has a little bit of that, but it's like, it's very like one-to-one, like you put this piece on your puppet and that is what it looks like. There's no like visual, like, oh, but I want you know, this costume for them, they didn't really like, get into that because it is a 19-year-old, or not a 19-year-old, but like a 15-year-old, 16-year-old game at this point. Uh, I'm not talking about, I want a big mech that I can sit inside. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't want this Zatch <laughs> Bell shit. Um, <laughs> not to diss on it, it sounds pretty good. 
<laughs> also kind of in keeping with that, I have never seen an MMO that really gave me a Spellblade class that really gives me that feel that I want. Like, Final Fantasy XIV's Red Mage uses a rapier, and you do have a melee combo that you can do, but most of the time you're going to be at range and only sometimes you're going to be doing like stuff at close range. And I just really want like a magic, like knight character that isn't like tied to like other weird forces, like holy or dark or stuff like that. Like just like give me arcane magic, but also a sword. Thank you. And one tiny thing I would like, uh, I'm sure this is fine for like most people, but I like the idea of when I'm like away from my like away away from keyboard AFK. Uh, if my character could just turn invisible so no one can see me while I'm not there. Oh yeah, yeah. There there are ways to do that in like WoW and fourteen, but you have to like either for WoW you have to play either a rogue or a night elf because those are the only ways to like really stealth. And then for 14, you have to either be playing a ninja or a gathering class. But even then, like, people can still see you. You're not truly invisible because that would be game-breaking for PvP. Let me climb more stuff. I want to climb things. Let me up there. That's one of the things that I liked about Black Desert Online is Black Desert Online had, like, weird things where if you, like, walked at, like, a fence, your character wouldn't stop. You would, like, actually vault it. Oh, that's cool. But also the interface interface is terrible. <laughs> and also that game that game will eat all of your money if you want to play it kind of seriously. Uh. Um our next question comes at us from Shannon Maynor at Shannon Maynor. Um she asks, What's a series you wish would put out an NMO an NMO? So I have at least one answer for this that's pretty good. Hit me. Hear it. But I also have several bad answers, so I'm going to go through those first. Okay. <laughs> Splatoon. I don't know what it would be, but I do like the aesthetic of the world overall, and I'd like to hang out at least in like the plaza or something with people that are actually moving instead of just being put there randomly. I I could see what they would what they could do is like a little bit how Final Fantasy 14 1.0 plays where like your level is tied in with like the amount of time you spend on a certain weapon and that kind of like informs the skill tree you get and like that kind of like weapon equals uh like job or class kind of gameplay uh to seriously answer your question <laughs> um let's see uh that thundercats reboot ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah if they're not going to give frothgar like good feline features and women like let's just have thundercats online yeah like makote and final fantasy 14 aren't quite thundercats enough and hrothgar mm -hmm. are too far yeah we need the middle yeah um let's see let's see what else can i do here um, hannah barbera online yeah so you mean toontown <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore toontown redux um Let's see. I, let's see if I have another bad one in me. Um, Star Wars, but not in like the past. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So it's actually like having to deal with current canon stuff. Like you could either put it like in that between time, or even during the prequels. That's the. I want more stuff 
around the prequels. <laughs> okay, so Star Wars Online prequels, got it. Unless it's movies, I do want to see him beside a movie set back in like the ancient eras where the movies haven't even bothered trying to touch. Right, right. Um, yeah. But this isn't the Star Wars episode. <laughs> no. Um, my actual answer is Avatar The Last Airbender. <gasps> that would be so good. I would I would play an Earthbender so fast. I love that me and Crash had the same reaction. <laughs> I And the PvP would either be like actual combat or you could even do pro-bending. Oh gosh. And that's true too. Like you could probably like there probably be non-bending options as well. They're like you could play characters that are more like Sokka or like um Azula's gang which are like kind of benders but they're more like martial artists as well. Um don't don't forget um oh goodness, Suki and the yes. uh, other Kyoshi Warriors. Uh, yeah, the Kyoshi Warriors. I don't yeah. think they were specifically bender. Like I don't even think Suki was a bender at all. She wasn't. And then, like, also, like, depending on what time period you you set it to, you could also have, like, machinists and, like, people who do, like, artificing as well, like, going into more Korra. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have to be either post-Korra or pre-Korra. I think yeah, pre-Korra would be, be a fun time period. Yeah, because I think that's the world I want to experience more. I don't want to try to have to navigate New Republic City when it's full of spirit vines. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Charlie, what series would you wish had an online game? Well, I've been thinking about it, and I absolutely, I don't know if there's one out there, but I really want a Digimon MMO. I really just want to be a Digi-Justin with my Digimon partner and just fight other Digi-Justins. There is a Digimon MMO that I think is on Steam, but like... It's bad. Yeah, every time I look at screenshots of it, I just see like... It's just like a flat field with like a thousand Agumon. And I'm like, that doesn't look appealing. Like there's no like spacing to the enemies that like an MMO kind of needs to feel organic. It's just like, just like a field that's just chock full of monsters. Huh. Yeah. And like all of the reviews I read about it are like just basically none of the good things you want to want, you want to read about an MMO. Yeah. Well, then I want a good Digimon MMO. Yeah, let's let's get Digimon the MMO, but like with a good budget, please. Hell yeah. I was also thinking like the Persona series. There was an MMO. I remember playing that it was more Shimagami Tensen. Uh So, something kind of around that vibe would be a lot of fun because I enjoyed the one I played. Also, I think Having an MMO that's more magical girl based would be a lot of fun. I say okay. this because I really love magical girls. You, you stole one of my big answers. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I guess um, what really what I want is I want a magical girl MMO that is like what City of Heroes did to comic book characters, where you're not set in any particular franchise, so that kind of removes some of the gatekeeping from the genre, and people can just come into this completely original story and make their own characters with this robust character creator and then just like have fun role play with other people who are magical girl aficionados and just like really like get into like that headspace yeah and cover your magical girl and knives Mm -hmm. hell yeah but yeah that's Um, basically what i want (laughs) 
<laughs> the other thing that I just I was randomly thinking about like what sort of like kind of like something that's in the nerdy like zeitgeist that would get popular enough but that people don't really talk about a whole lot and i was like okay so we had warhammer online a couple years back but like what if we did like warhammer 40k online but like they didn't restrict you to only playing space marines like you could play the weird like tyranids or like um what is it the sisters of pain or like those like weird like diseased zombie people as well and it was more about like progressing your character through like levels to it was more like skill focused versus like gear focused and just like really like letting you play like crazy monster concepts that'd be fun i like fighting crazy monsters Warhammer has some like really really weird Warhammer 40k specifically has some like very weird and interesting um like character design in my opinion at least um I like a lot of the figures not enough to actually buy them but like to admire from afar and I've never actually learned how to play the game (laughs) but like seeing how like they could like distill that into like a, a online experience and then like you could get into like faction war bullshit. You can get into like, you know, it would probably be very like PVP centric because that's like kind of how Warhammer is. But yeah, I just, it just like randomly came to me because I was thinking about like Warhammer online and how I really liked, I really liked the concept of that game, but I never actually got to try it. Cause again, I was not really on a good computer until kind of recently. Um, did you ever see any of that Cassidy? Uh, sorry, which thing? Warhammer Online, like just plain Warhammer. No, I have not seen any Warhammer Online stuff. This is actually the first I've ever heard of it. Yeah it it wasn't the biggest, but like it had some like really interesting character concepts because it kind of does like you know every race has like warrior, thief, mage, cleric, kind of those archetypes. But depending on which race you're playing, it kind of shifts them in a, a little bit. Like you know, one of I think it was humans had like like a witch hunter instead of like a ranger kind of concept so they were like a bow character but they dressed like they were in bloodborne before bloodborne even came out and they were their thing was like they could target uh enemy spellcasters and do bonus damage against them and silence them and they were like really nasty in pvp and there was another character concept that was like you're a fire mage but your fire you can push yourself to the limit of like how hot you can make your body to the point that you can injure your character if you're casting like big spells all the time. So you kind of have, you kind of have to balance this gameplay of like, if I push too hard and I like, am I, if I'm casting certain spells too often, I'm going to actually like hurt my character. And like, you have to, you have like phases where you could like push hard and then like pull back and push hard and pull back. Yeah, it sounds like they're, that particular um, character type is a lot like the Battletech combat system. Yeah. Where you need to worry about your mechs uh, cooling and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, I think there's like a, 
some fans who are trying to make a private server for it, but um, I don't know if they've actually gotten it off the ground or not. Maybe if they actually get it running, I'll, I'll check it out again because I always wanted to play it. Mostly just to play that one fire concept. Um, our last co- uh, question comes at us from Soso Sundare. Uh, is that the at, last question? Is it not? You had a question that you got a text about. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Your partner All sent right. you that question. How could you forget? Because <laughs> it's not on the Twitter. All right. So we have two more questions. The last one comes from my partner who texted me. Because I was telling him about the episode, and he was like, oh, I had a thought. Um, and he asks, with the MMORPG genre expanding and hitting consoles as well as mobile devices, what do you see as the future of the genre? And then he adds, there's always talk of virtual reality MMOs and media that explores that, like Doc, .hack and Log Horizon. But do you think we'll start seeing development for augmented reality MMOs with the popularity of AR games like Ingress and Pokemon Go? I have never considered Ingress or Pokemon Go an MMO. Well, I think what he's asking is like taking the success of Pokemon Go and Ingress and like pushing them further in like the multiplayer direction. Um, Because I think like, I think virtual reality MMOs are an interesting concept, but we just like don't have the tech to like really make them work at this point. Yeah. And like same thing with like augmented reality augmented reality mmos like i think that could be really interesting but like either that would require like specialized hardware or like phones to do so much more than they currently are able to do but i think if like we keep progressing then like in our technology then we could do something like that um one application i was thinking about is not necessarily like massively multiplayer but like definitely like multiplayer is if like you could use augmented reality in addition to like a LARPing system. Oh. So you get like people together who want to like do a quest for this game. And then like, you know, the phone kind of handles like the rules of it all. And like, you're kind of like acting it out or like doing that kind of like real life component to uh, the game that like, it's pretty much like what people already do with LARPing, but your phone's keeping track of more stuff. Yeah. That could definitely be fun. But as far as, like, the future of MMOs, like, yeah, there's there's a big trend coming from the Eastern market that really seems to be pushing the more, like, action MMO um, model. Like, Black Desert Online and Blade & Soul are really kind of pushing the industry in less of a standstill tab target through all your enemies and just push one to kill them. Like, it's becoming a lot more, like, fast-paced and, like... Um, like twitchy in a way which um is not going to be for everybody but it is definitely like rising in popularity like tara is trying to make a comeback and i don't particularly care for tara but like it is like still has a pretty dedicated fan base i could see my thought on what the future of mmos would look like is actually a lot like what it used to look like um right before stuff like ingress and stuff happened mm-hmm. where the mmo aspect of a phone device was like a companion app of some kind yeah yeah um but it would just be like oh we put it on every system we can get a hold of and ideally with cross-platform if they can get it but some companies these days try to make it difficult we're looking at you sony 
I hadn't really considered too much about, like, augmented reality games until I saw this question. Like, for me, I mostly imagine the game in the MMO industry going towards virtual reality. Like, it's probably going to take a while. But, we, we, I mean, technically we have the basis. Like, we have virtual reality games. that So maybe in, like, 20, 30 years, who knows? Well, like, there's the thing is there already are... Uh massively multiplayer VR games. Uh, stuff like Rec Room and stuff like that. Are the the only thing that they don't have is the RPG element. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I don't think... I think they would suffer if they had it. Um, I think we're a long way out from the MMORPG VR experience that isn't just a regular MMORPG with the VR option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like... That's one of the things that I think is kind of limiting VR at this point is a lot of thing. A lot of developers are just porting a game they already have to the hardware. They're not really like taking the time to make a game from the ground up. You know, there are there are like um, there are games like uh, what was the one with the little mouse? Uh, Moss. Yeah, there's like mo- games like Moss that are like that are con- concepted from the ground up as a vr experience but that's you know coming at us from a you know relatively indie studio that's not um you know a triple a title yeah and even the triple a titles that are vr those are specifically single player experiences Mm -hmm. there's like a whole extra level you need to consider when you're doing vr stuff with multiplayer and that's like the fact that there is movement coming from the arms at all times (laughs) right in most MMOs, like the character has a limited set of animations, and you know how they're always going to interact, usually. Yeah. Um, in the developer process, anyways. That the fact that you have to consider that at any point you could look over and the other person could have, like, I don't know, put their headset on the ground while they're still holding the controllers. <laughs> and you gotta consider what that would look like from yeah. the point of view of everyone else like to the point where like that's just not worth it not to mention the fact that vr isn't really like a common item still yeah Um, like i mean i don't know about y'all but i don't have one and i don't know anyone that does do i (laughs) the only person that i know that has a psvr is somebody i don't even talk to but they host a podcast (laughs) but i like what you were saying about like the having like the phone like have like like it being like kind of like an elope experience with the augmented reality i think that would be a pretty cool way to go with it at least at the start yeah instead of uh hurling beanbags at each other and shielding lightning bolt you could just tap at them aggressively yeah but then you lose the tactile experience of being pelted with beanbags (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can still throw one at them if you want to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uses to track your mana on your phone yeah yeah um but our um our actual final real question last question comes from us from soso sundare at soso underscore sundare uh and they ask a common mmo complaint is that a, a game is a quote wow clone swotor got this uh star wars the La- the old republic got flack for this for having a wow style combat slash interface but a vastly different narrative system now three city of hero clones are in the works and people are thrilled 
Is replicating mechanics that work in other games necessarily bad? No. Straight up answer, no. No. Yeah, I was going to say no. At at this point, certain mechanics are industry standards. And a lot of those things that Warcraft made industry standards, they stole and lifted from EverQuest. And they borrowed that from EverQuest because it worked for EverQuest. And EverQuest made a crap ton of money. And Blizzard was like, let's do that too. And then Blizzard made a crap ton of money. And you kind of get this like chain reaction of other people going, well, it worked for EverQuest and it worked for WoW. We're going to try it now too. And then you get games like Rift, which I mentioned earlier, that are like, a lot of it to me feels like, what if Warcraft didn't lose its very long skill trees? In fact, and in fact, we extended them further. And like, and I think a lot of games are kind of responses to Warcraft at this point and not even true clones at this point. Yeah. And I'm going to take this discussion a little bit outside of MMOs into a broader, just a video game or even games in general, like aspect mm-hmm. in that copying or drawing from other games and how they do certain systems is how genres get born. Exactly. Like after Dark Souls became more popular, we are now seeing more and more games in that style to the point where we basically have an entire genre called Soulsborne. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when games started doing more procedurally generated stuff and then now suddenly we have an entire genre of things called roguelikes. Yeah, and roguelikes and Soulsborne games are beloved and you know what to expect from them too like when you read that on the steam review page and they say soul or you know roguelike you know what you're getting into before you even get into the game um also please kickstart my rogues my roguelikes souls born battle royale game (laughs) (laughs) but it still has hanna-barbera characters uh yeah of course (laughs) and for me i think having games with similar mechanics to other games makes it more accessible in a way because if I'm already familiar with the mechanics of a game and I, I would like to also play like playing a game with a similar mechanics means I don't have to relearn things. I'm already familiar with it. So exactly. I, I don't have to spend the time to learn and because I like for someone like me like I have trouble processing information and like learning new things so having something i'm already familiar with something that i already know it makes the game easier for me to play and it's much more a draw for me to go to because i already have like this background with like the mechanics of a similar game yeah there's nothing like um (laughs) i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna dunk on terra again but this is not necessarily terra's uh fault when I booted up Terra for the first time, the first thing that I noticed was that the camera, the way that you like turn your character isn't the same as like Warcraft or anything like that. Like, depending on how you shifted the mouse, your whole point of view shifted. And it was really alarming. And like the fact that like, um, like it was like an action game 
more more than like you know other mmos that i played was like completely new to me but also like cassidy was saying like because terra and other games like that before it are kind of pushing this more action mmo angle that like other games are able to take that and improve on it and keep going you know sometimes like a little bit of deviation is is good for like keeping the genre alive i I will say also on the city of hero notes city of heroes i feel like deserves to be preserved and i guess in this case air quotes cloned because i feel like that game we lost it before it was like i don't think that game should have ever shut down i don't you know FromSoft was like you know talking about how it's like not making the money or whatever but like that game if you talk to anybody who played city of heroes they loved that game it had such a vibrant dedicated fan base of people who loved their characters loved role-playing or not role-playing but doing quests together and like really took on the role of being heroes or villains depending on which you know side they were playing on and like i feel like that game deserves to be experienced by people who weren't able to play it previously so i feel like part of you know the city of heroes cloning is just like game preservation and like you keeping stuff around for historical uh like as like preservation but also like <laughs> just being able to to play something like that again um something that I, I think about a lot is you know final fantasy 11 is a numbered final fantasy game and at one point in time scranix is gonna go we have to shut the servers down and like what is going to happen to that story when those servers shut down and you can no longer play a titled Final Fantasy game in its original state. Um, they announced like a, a Final Fantasy XI mobile game that is kind of a single player experience, but they've been completely radio silent on that for a long time and we'll occasionally get like a, it's still developing, but for the most part, it kind of feels like Square has kind of ghosted us on that project. And it's kind of scary to think that like we could lose a piece of RPG history because a a game studio doesn't want to keep the servers on anymore. Yeah. So the short answer is no, I don't think replicating mechanics is bad. I feel like it, in fact, like Charlie was saying, it can be familiar and could draw you into playing a game. Um, but I think that is it for questions. Um, do y'all have anything you want to promote related to our topic? Uh, I do. I would like to promote the concept of Fusion Fall Retro. (laughs) (laughs) But let me give the breakdown of what Fusion Fall Retro is. So back in 2009, Cartoon Network created an MMO called Cartoon Network Universe colon Fusion Fall. And you might remember it as those very off-putting pictures of Ed, Ed, Nettie. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah or like that decent redesign of dexter and anime girl frankie from foster some oh god i remember that oh no but yeah that's that um the game stopped existing in 2013 but fusion fall retro is basically a fan revival project in a sense um where it, it's the same game they just hosted on new servers, and they're working on adding in stuff that they have they don't have in the current build of the game that they have. Basically, mm-hmm. they're taking a 
older build of the game and just putting the new stuff that came out afterwards into it as much as they can. Yeah. And as someone who's played the original game, it was a lot of fun. So I heavily endorse this recommendation. Yeah, I just, I wanted to bring it up because it is, one, very silly. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not something I ever actually got to play when it was a thing, so I'm definitely going to be downloading this soon. Yeah. Um, But also, I like archival projects. I like stuff like that where old things do get to be kept around. Yeah. At least in some form. So I do very much support the idea of doing something like this. Uh, I I completely agree. I feel like game preservation is important, and I feel like online games are almost harder to to keep around you know um charlie do you have anything you wanted to to plug necessarily um play domo now that it's back and tell me what you think maybe you'll get me back into playing it again for a third time yeah i'm gonna write down domo so i remember to look into it Hopefully it's still a lot of fun because it has a lot of good memories for me and I would recommend it. Yeah, I I'm I feel like I'm a lot less uh like picky about a lot of online games these days and I feel like uh I'm a lot more inclined to to give Domo a second try especially now that I like have played a lot more games and worse games too. <laughs> Um, I guess for me, I'm not going to really plug much, but if you ever, ever, ever need a friend or a buddy in Final Fantasy XIV, um, I am, my main character is on the Gilgamesh server on the Ether data center. Um, my character is named Crashing Waves, same as my, um, Twitter handle, a little bit of branding, but if you ever need help. And if it's something I can help you with, reach out to me. I like to answer questions for new players, running new dungeons, you know, talking through stuff. If you have questions about the lore, I know a good bit about the lore. Or if you have just like questions about the classes you want to play or gathering or crafting up to a certain point, I feel like I've I've dabbled in a lot of things and I, I can try to help out or point you in the direction of somebody who knows a lot more than me. I'll definitely add you, Crash. <laughs> I will just talk to you and let you know whenever I decide to play Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> or you can just be supportive when I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that always. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, where can everybody find us on Twitter? Uh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait one second. Okay. I'm holding on. I have. Did you all forget about your homework? I did not. Oh, my sandwich. Yes. <laughs> um, my perfect sandwich is a um, Publix brand pe- crunchy peanut butter and jelly. The jelly has to be uh, ras seedless raspberry jam, and I just like just want it on like good old like uh whole wheat bread yeah and just like a big tall glass of milk i'm a big pp and j fan so for me it's like 
It has to be toasted, first of all, because I like warm sandwiches. Nice. But not like room temperature warm, like actually like toasted <laughs> warm sandwiches. I'm not picky on the bread. You know, I could have any bread. My post sandwich, as long as it's not like rye bread or pumpernickel or whatever. Stuff like that. Uh, it would have honey ham on it. Roast beef. Swiss cheese. It has to come with mushrooms. And roasted peppers. Not any other kind of peppers. It's roasted peppers and mayonnaise. Nice. That sounds great. <laughs> okay. Mine would definitely be, like, along the lines of your traditional Italian sub. Mm. Uh, uh, not toasted. I do not like most of my sandwiches toasted. Sometimes I like to bake a sandwich. I don't like generally toasting it, though. It does weird things to my teeth. Huh. Um... You're probably going to be looking at something like some salami, some like filler ham, some capicola or gabagol, depending on who you ask. Um, maybe a little bit of prosciutto, but not like a whole lot, because that's something you want to keep on the side and just eat it by itself because it's very tasty. <laughs> um, for cheese, you're probably looking at either a mozzarella or a provolone, a pepper jack if you're feeling feisty. Always. Same, usually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Okay. um, uh, Probably going to do like a little bit of lettuce if you're feeling in the mood for lettuce. I'm not always in the mood for lettuce. Um, You want to do definitely some pickle. Probably some peppers of some kind. Usually... Also, sort of brined peppers. Sometimes, just like some raw, fresh bell pepper if you have it. Um, Some onions. Uh, Olives, if you have those, definitely. Oh, no. I just, I like that brine. Yeah, I I love briny stuff in my my sandwiches. I hate olives so much. I'm gonna go... Uh, extra mayo, some mustard, oil, and vinegar. But like, like the red wine vinegar. That's my kind of sandwich. Mm-hmm. Put that on any bread and I'll eat it. Yeah, I'd Hell eat it yeah. too, but not with the olives. I mean, I, you can ditch the olives if you need to. The yeah. The vinegar will make up for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, where can everybody find us on Twitter? Uh, that would be Hey Let's Talk Cast on Twitter. And then uh, personally, I can be found at Crashing Waves fourteen. That is a one and a four. Yes, it is because of my character that I play, and yes, it is because of Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> you can find. Have... Ah. Oh, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, how about you, Charlie? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I jumped the gun, but I... It was going to be about me anyways. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at magical underscore pride. Or if you want to find me on Tumblr, reblogging pictures of flowers and scenery, 
I'm there at Storm Genasi. That's G E N A S I. And uh, you, Cassidy? Oh, that's right. You can find me personally on Twitter at Madlobotanist. That's M A D L O B O T A N I S T. Uh, you can play that slower if you need to understand those letters individually. You're getting so good <laughs> at that. <laughs> uh, uh, I also do a podcast called Kids and Their Dog. It's our one year anniversary. Yay! And me and Cassidy also do a podcast together called Pretty Cure Podcast Engage, where we talk about the Pretty Cure franchise. Burr, 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 burr. Y'all have gotten me into Precure, and I really like it. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can find those at Kids and Their Dog and at Prepod and Gage, respectively. All right. And uh, to wrap up, I'm just going to leave y'all with a question. Um, when the war comes, what will you do to provide aid to those who need it? What kind of question is this? <laughs> <laughs>